I love his shirt too. <laughs> yeah. You gotta untuck yours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for that, Derek. <laughs> well, good morning. It is good to see you again. I have bragged on you to our church, Paseo del Rey Church, my former church, and uh, just told them great things. And they're praying for us here this morning. They're excited. Uh, it was hard to let Derek go to Dallas, Oregon. And we are still in the grieving process in Chula Vista. And, uh, but, oh, it's so good to see God, what God's doing here uh, for Amy and the kids and for Derek. And what a great, great match uh, God has brought together. We're just so very, very grateful. Hey, uh, I brought a couple of pictures of Derek. Yeah, yeah. I actually left a couple home, too. I love Derek way too much. So here is Derek's uh, first, uh, Derek and Amy, and they just had two kids then, uh, uh, Kaylin and Trevor. And this is Derek's, I think that was your first Sunday, I think, at Paseo del Rey, or thereabouts, within 10 years. (laughs) And uh, so early on in Derek's ministry, and uh, let's take a look at the next one here. And uh, here's Derek and, and, some, and uh, his expanding family at a, a donut eating contest that we have uh, every Sunday at Paseo del Rey. It's kind of a, it, our church is growing in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Let's see what else we've got here. Oh, th- and this is what I love doing with Derek more than anything is ministering with him. And here we're uh, baptizing uh, brother Mike and uh, just some, gr- Derek and I just shared in Great, great, great ministry together. We just loved it. And then, and then, of course, we both all love baseball. And so here is uh, some of our staff from Paseo de Rey. This is just a couple of weeks ago. And Derek loves baseball. He just loves the wrong team. And we, I, seven years, uh, and my prayers, I'm still praying, Derek, that God would bring you around. Padres are so spiritual. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, how do you argue you know, giants, and that's kind of a bad thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, well, I want to share um, a couple of, I want you to grab your Bible, first of all, and open to Second, uh, uh, Second Timothy, if you would, find your way to Second Timothy, and I want to just share um, some, some things that I love about Derek, and I know this service is not about Derek, it's about what God is doing, it's about what the gospel is doing. But at the same time, God uses people in that, and, and I just want to share uh, about four things that I love about Derek. And the first thing that I, that I really love about Derek Olson is that the gospel has gotten into him, and the gospel has changed Derek. And G- Derek is so aware of his own sin and his neediness of a savior and a rescuer. And he's also very aware that he doesn't deserve to be loved. And yet Jesus in his grace has just loved Derek in an amazing way. And I've just really seen this, that Derek has, has really been, been embraced and engulfed by the gospel. And so he is eager and it, 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 he, he has this eagerness to share that gospel with other people. I just love that about Derek, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has really, really changed him. 
Um, another thing that I love about Derek Olson is I don't know a person who has more integrity than Derek. Derek, Derek is true. And this is not on his own. This is what Christ is doing in him. But what Derek says is what he does. What Derek says is what he believes. What you see is what you get. And in, in the seven years that we've had ministry together and the couple of years since then, that just continues to be true. You have a pastor who's been so affected by the gospel and who has so much integrity. And you, know, you can teach people a lot of things, but you can't teach them integrity. God has done this in his life. Um, the third thing that I love about Derek is, and Derek, he expressed it, and it, it's really a two-way street, is we are really good friends. We are really good brothers. And we had seven years, and now it continues, where um, uh, he would come into my, uh, we had an open-door policy with one another, and so many times I'd go to him about ministry stuff, but so often, too, about life stuff. And we just shared together, mutually, just some of the happiest and most joyful of times and some of the most painful and most difficult of times. And I just value Derek uh, so much as a, a friend and a brother in Jesus Christ. And I know you're experiencing that here at Faith Church as well. And, and then the fourth thing I just want to say is I just love how he loves his wife, how he loves Amy. And um, he is so true to her and just delights in her. And, 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 and that's, again, something you can't teach. That's what God has done in his life and how he loves his kids and how he loves his Mia and his Kaylin and his Chris and his Trevor and how he uh, cares so much for them. And so um, I just really count this a privilege to be with you today, to be able to open God's word and to speak not only to Derek on this great day of his ordination. I mean, this is a grand day. One of his friends uh, texted him and said, congratulations on your coronation. No, but this is a grand day. Derek has followed the Lord faithfully, and I've been with him through much of that, and he's been tested. And what we're really doing today is affirming God's call on his life, because it's God who puts the call on his life, and we are part of that confirming what God did. So, so as, I, as I looked, thought through Scripture, and I, I, I landed in 2 Timothy, and 2 Timothy, as many of you know, is Paul's last letter. He is the, uh, an apostle who has been ministering, a pastor who has been ministering for 30-some years. And this is his last letter, and he, he's, he's, he knows his death is imminent. Maybe within weeks, maybe within months of him writing this last letter that we have from him, um, he knows that he's going to be dying. And so I think it's interesting because he's writing the letter to a young pastor. And so I, as a, as a, a pastor that's been serving for a number of years, um, as I read through this, I thought, what is it that God would want to say to a young pastor, and not only to Derek, but to each and every one of us, because each and every one of us are ministers in, in, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But particularly, what would God want to say to Derek through the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, for the last 30 years, almost without a vacation, has committed himself to 
sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's gone from village to town to village to town. He's been, as you know, you've read the book of Acts. He's been thrown out of towns. He's been shipwrecked time without many. And yet he's thrown in jail. He's continued to press on as a pastor, sharing the gospel, building up little churches, raising up leaders in the church, praying for them, writing letters back to them, going to the next town or village for the last 30 years or so without a vacation. Without a break. Now, I was wondering, as Paul looked back on his life as those 30 years of ministry, what if he would have gone another route? What if he would have become a dentist? What if he would have become an engineer? What if he would have become a carpenter? Well, he would have made a lot more money than he made in pastoring. What if he would have chosen to be an attorney? What if he would have chosen to be a farmer? Well, he would have had a lot less headaches. He would have been thrown in jail a lot less times. He would have been left for dead a few less times. He would have been um, uh, abandoned by his best friends, by his fellow workers, a lot less. And I began to wonder, at the end of 30 years of hard ministry, of difficult situations, I was wondering, what advice would Paul give to young pastors? Would he say to young pastors, go another way? Take another job. Take another season. What would those words be that this seasoned pastor would give to this young pastor, Timothy? And I think I found them. I know I found them. They're right out of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let me read verses 1 through 4 with us. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. In the presence of God... And of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. And that's what I want to say to you today, that Paul is saying to us, and he's saying specifically to Derek today, is Derek, preach the word. That's the controlling imperative in this passage. These are Paul's last words to a young pastor. And he doesn't say, go to another seminar. He doesn't say, find a new technique. He doesn't say, make your worship louder or quieter. Although those are all things that have value. I'm, I'm not knocking them. But what he says to Paul, with his last breath, to, to, to Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, with his last breath, is preach the word. It's not optional. It's not maybe, it's not when you want to, it's a command. Preach the word, Derek. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction because the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers in the, on the TV, on the internet, in the radio. That's in the margin, by the way. It's not in the original text, but it's written in the margin in my Bible. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
Derek preach the word. That's what God is charging you and challenging you with on this ordination Sunday that you have. And I think there's, there's, there's three, three or four thoughts here in the passage that I want to pull out. I want to pull out first what God has spoken and what God is telling to Derek and to each of us, the first thing is to preach the word urgently. Preach the word urgently. See in verse 2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. You see, it's this charge. And, and Paul is saying, this can't wait. You can't put this off. Be ready, be prepared, be on the lookout. Preach the word urgently. Be alert. Don't stand back and wait. Um, we have, just like Derek and Amy, we have four kids, two boys and two girls. And one of our boys, uh, well, one of our boys and one of our girls were lifeguards through high school and partway through college. Lifeguards at the pool and at the beach and all these kinds of things. And it was a great job. And, I was, and, and, our, and our son, Zach, when he was a lifeguard at the YMCA pool, uh, his job was to be on the alert at all times. You don't want a lifeguard looking at the Coke machine. You don't want a lifeguard wandering. You don't want a lifeguard checking out the girls at the pool, right? What you want is a lifeguard who is on alert and prepared and ready to go in that water at a moment's notice. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. And that's what the Apostle Paul, that's what God is saying to Derek and to each and every one of us. There needs to be an urgency as we preach the word. Derek, I have never known this about you and never allow it to be that you preach the word half-heartedly. Don't you love that about Derek? When he preaches the word, there's an urgency. And the reason there's an urgency is this is God's word, not Derek's word, not Gary's word. You see, we could be lackadaisical about this. But we want to let God's word do the work, right? It's God speaking. Derek, continue to preach that word urgently. Preach it as God's story. Preach that gospel message that each and every one of us are far worse off than we ever imagined we were. But in Christ Jesus, we're more loved than we ever dreamed possible. Preach that word. And, and we've got to preach that word in verses 3 and 4, as we saw there, because our culture's lost its way. And not only our culture has lost our way, but sometimes those of us in our, in our churches have lost our way. And we want our ears tickled. We want things said to us that'll just make us better. Whether they're true or not is immaterial. Whether they're God's word or not makes no difference. And, 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 and what we do is we gather around us teachers who will tickle our ears, who will say the things we want them to say. Oh, oh, you want more money? Here's the way to become more wealthy. Let me tell you the way. Oh, oh you have suffering in your life? Oh, well, you just need more faith because you shouldn't have suffering in your life. And, and that's not what, those are things that the scripture never teaches, do they? But they teach us that there's a victory that is in Christ Jesus that is better than all of those things, all of those things combined. And that the way to that victory is the way of the cross, right? It's the way of Jesus. It's in following Him and living for Him that we find and discover who we really are and who we were really meant for. So Derek, preach the word urgently. Preach it in season 
and out of season. And that's, not a cool, that's not a call to, to be um, insensitive to people, right? But, it, it, but it's a call to always be, never, to never be neglectful about preaching the word. Never be lazy or t- even when we're tired or discouraged or embarrassed or weak. And I've loved this about Derek, how he has always preached the word with diligence. He's preached the word urgently. I love, a, a, I have a great memory of Derek. I think it was probably one of his very first sermons at Paseo del Rey. And he worked diligently on this sermon. He worked so hard on this sermon. And I was on the road. I was up in Orange County. And I still remember right where I was, actually. He, Derek called me. He says, hey, I've got my, my three points done from this passage. I said, great, I want to hear those three points. And so I stopped the car, and I'm listening on my cell phone. And the first point was 27 words long. Or, no, it was 28 words long. I'm sorry. And the second point was 29 words long. And the third point was 30 words long. And I just said, Derek, those are great points, but don't give away the whole sermon in the points. And so we worked together. And, we'll, and you see, the, the reason I love that story is because that's how diligent Derek is. He wants to make sure that you don't miss one letter of God's word. Amen? Amen. And he continues to do that. So preach the word urgently, Derek. And here's the second thought from our passage. Preach the word relevantly. Preach the word relevantly. You see it there in verse 2, don't you? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And then look at these three following words. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now those words have a, there's a range of meaning. They're not just synonyms, but they're a range of meanings, aren't they? In uh, some of your Bibles will have different words, and that's okay. But the NIV says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Derek loves baseball, as I said, and I love baseball. And, and, uh, um, and, and so when, it, when, um, uh, a, 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 when a pitcher goes on the mound to pitch, he doesn't wear a face mask and a catcher's glove, does he? That's, when you're catching, that's what you wear. And when you, when you go to bat, you don't take a glove with you when you go to bat, right? And when you're playing first base, you don't have a bat with you, right? And what that's teaching us is that there are different tools for different situations. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here, is make sure, Derek, make sure all of us, that when we preach, when we share the word with other people, that we do it in a relevant way. And so, Derek, I want to challenge you to continue to not only study the text, but study your people. Know your people like a good shepherd. Know what they need from God's Word. That's not to bend God's Word. That's not to say what God's Word doesn't say. That, not at all. But to understand where our people are as we preach to them. Sometimes we are misled. Sometimes we form mistaken views of God. Well, I think that's the time that we need to have God's Word correct us, right? We need to have God's Word put us back on the track. Sometimes we've fallen into sin, or we've been trapped in sin, or we've chosen sin, or we've become stubborn, or arrogant, or deceived. Well, there's the word, rebuke. Sometimes we need to go out of, come out of church feeling rebuked. That's part of the... That's part of the the, the part of the, uh, uh, the, the, the reason for God's word is to rebuke us where we have sinned. I, 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 I like this phrase. One of the jobs of the preacher 
is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. That means you have to study your people. You have to teach God's word with relevancy. And, 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 and that's, that's what Der- Derek needs to continue to do is to study the people. Back, back we won't look at it. Or I think we have it, 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Paul there, writing to the church he loved in Thessalonica, he says, for you know that as we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. He, he's a father. He says, he says, among the church, the pastor, he, he's not your father, but he says in some ways the pastor is like a father in your church where he, know, he knows his children, he knows what their needs are, just like Derek understands and knows his kids and knows one way to work with one child is not the way to work with the other child. And the way to work with this child is not the way to work with the other child. And so as Derek and, and each of us, because you've had people come up to you very insensitively and just kind of bombard you with the word. It's not what you needed in that time. So understand that relevancy and that, re- that relationships are the bridge to all ministry as we preach God's word. So correct, rebuke, and encourage. Sometimes there's times where I'm, I'm aching or where I'm, I'm troubled or where um, life has really hit me hard. A tsunami has hit me. And that's the time I need to be encouraged. That's the time I need to be lifted up from God's word. I remember about a year ago, I was kind of going through a struggle, a little bit of a personal struggle. And one Sunday after church, a guy, a guy named Steve came up to me. And he said, he said, I don't know why, Gary, but I have a word for you. Now, I'm, a lot of times I'm a little like, whoa, that sounds a little spacey to me, a little bit. But he says, no, he says, it's a word from God. And I said, great. And he opened up his Bible, and he read to me after church on a Sunday, he read to me Psalm 62. I encourage you to go home and read Psalm 62. But he read Psalm 62. It was exactly God's word for me. I hadn't said a word about the struggle I was going through, but as Steve's a fairly intuitive and sensitive guy, and he was aware there was something going on in my life. And that's that sense of preaching, sharing God's word in a relevant manner. And that's how the Holy Spirit seems to work. So preach the word, Derek, preach the word urgently, preach the word relevantly, and then thirdly and finally, preach the word patiently. Preach the word patiently. Um, There it is at the end of verse 2. With great patience and careful understanding with great patience Um, sometimes preachers go home from church very discouraged just ask our wives sometimes preachers come home from church and they feel um, like they've they've preached their heart out they've been true to God's word but they just feel like it's um, it's just not been effective it just hasn't changed lives uh, sometimes um, people, sheep will, sheep are wonderful, but sometimes sheep bite. And, and, and sometimes someone will bite you. And, and, and because we're sinners being redeemed by Jesus Christ, sometimes our first reaction is not patience, is not patience. I remember um, 39 years ago, 38 years ago, 
uh, our church was a small little church. We met in a women's club, and our, our, our seating was very, was very cramped. It wasn't a very big room. And the front row of seats was about, about three feet away from where I preached. And I was a young preacher, and, uh, um, and, this one, and when a guest came to our church, you knew there was a guest there, right? Because there was just, just a handful of us there. And so this one Sunday, this guy, guy came in with his wife, and he, they came in, and he sat down right in the very front, right, right where you are, just like, just, like, just like this. But you are much nicer than he was, let me tell you. So I'm going to use this blank chair, because I don't even want to. So he's sitting there, and I'm just preaching my heart out. I'm just preaching the word. I'm just preaching. And I just can't wait for after the service. I'm going to just go up and say hi to him. And so, so I... I get done with the sermon, give the benediction, and I come around the, this pulpit we had, and I came around, and this guy stood up, and he was taller than Derek. And I look up at this guy, and he looks down at me. I said, it's nice to have you with us. He says, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, I wish I would have said to him, you know all the things you think on the way home? I wish I would have said to him, Oh, no, it wasn't. You should have been here last week. <laughs> this is way better. I didn't. I just said to him, and God helped me with this. I said, that's not appropriate. Yeah, and that was probably the best thing. Never saw the guy again. I don't know why. I don't know why he came back. But I went home discouraged, right? I went home. The sheep had bitten. And our tendency, because we're human, is to bite back, Right? And what, what's the Apostle Paul? And th this is not just for Derek. This is for every single one of us, isn't it? Every single one of us. What does he say? Verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Be patient with God's people, Derek. Just like God's been patient with you. Be patient as you share God's Word with people around you, where you work, and in your neighborhood, and in your family, here at your church. Be patient with them. And remember how patient God has been with you. Oh, Derek, this is something I love so much about you, is you have such high hopes for people. Always hold on to those high hopes. But be patient. Because God is continuing, just like He's continuing His redeeming work in my life and in your life, He's continuing His redeeming work in their lives as well. Let God's Word do its, do its work. And I love how Paul says, preach the Word. And I just skipped over this, but I want to come back to it now. Verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in a view of His appearing and kingdom, I give you this charge. Jesus is coming back. That's why we preach urgently and relevantly and patiently. Because Jesus is coming back. Our boss is real, Derek. He's not some imaginary guy. Your boss, if you're a believer here today, is real. And He's coming back soon. And all of your neighbors and all of your friends and all of your family that don't know the gospel yet, Jesus is coming back. He's going to judge. And we want them to be in God's gracious kingdom as well. And you want to grow in your faith 
so that you will bring more and more fruit and glory to God. And it says you preach the word and hear the word and let the word be preached to you and let it set on you. He's coming back, Derek. Your preaching is a life and death issue. It's not a job. You know that. You know that well. It's a life and death mission. So Derek, my good friend and my brother, my fellow elder, simple words. Today is your ordained. What did the aged Paul say to the young Timothy? It's his last word. He could have said all kinds of things. But he commanded him. In the presence of God, in the view of his returning, I give you this charge. Preach the word. So Jesus, we pray that Derek would be so full of you and anointed by you and compelled by you and your love for him that he would preach your word and lives would be changed. We pray that he would be faithful to keep his finger in the text and not preach what will scratch itching ears but preach what is life-giving and life-changing. Your very words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Derek. Preach the word, Thanks, bro. brother. Did you hear as he prayed, he said, keep your finger in the text? You wonder where I got that? <laughs> and he got that from one of his teachers. See, that's how it works. Thanks, brother. I, I love you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, April, for coming. Um, uh, Pastor Ed alluded to, you know, the work that it required to get here. And I, I wrote long theological papers, and I, had, I faced an oral defense examination a couple of times and all that hard work, but um, it, it was a great process and God has used it in my life. And, and I say, mean it when I say it that I couldn't have done it without so much help and support along the way, so I certainly will miss somebody, but uh, Gary and uh, staff teams that I've worked with at, at multiple churches and elder teams that have cared for me and um, study partners and teachers and mentors and all people along the way, and of course more so Amy and my family, <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> and if you know me, which you, many of you do, this is not surprising. <laughs> uh, thank you, appreciate all, of, and, and all of you, thanks for your support um, in, in getting the opportunity to serve as your pastor, so it's been awesome. I want to just take just a, a couple minutes before uh, Bruce comes up to share just a little bit more with us uh, to um, respond, and these are things that I uh, considered as I listened to Gary, and these are things that I, I previously prayerfully considered and things that I want to say in response and in, in commitment to you. Um, and so all of these things are true. You know, I commit to them only by the power of God at work and only by his spirit working in me. Um, so by the grace of God and by the power of the spirit, I am continued, I am committed, first of all, to continue to entrust myself to my Lord and Master Jesus. As Gary said, I, he, he has changed me. 
has rescued me and is changing me. And I have great news to share because of what he's doing. And so I'm committed um, to continuing to follow Jesus. Gosh, why am I doing this already? <laughs> I am committed to continuing to following him and, and sharing the good news that comes from that. Amy, I am committed to you. will always be I'm faithful to you and will always be. You're the only one for me. Love you. Kaylin, Trevor, Mia, Chris. With God's help, I'll be the best dad I can be. And I'm always going to be here for you. Okay, I quit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> ah. Then, uh, as, thank you, as your pastor, by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit, I will shepherd, teach, preach the word, um, lead, and love you. Um, I will preach the word uh, relevantly, patiently, with urgency. And, and, and that will happen um, because I love you. And, and while I can't know each of you, you know, I can't know all the several hundred people that come and go from Faith Church uniquely and intimately and deeply, but God has given me a heart for you as your shepherd, and I love you, and I will, I will, I will get to know you, I will continue to get to know you, and I will seek after you, and I will uh, study you, as Gary said, uh, with the desire to then be able to uh, preach the word so that you will find life in Jesus and that you will continue to be transformed into his likeness. And um, I do that out of love. And that is my heart for you. And so, thanks, brother. Thank you. And just this week, just this week in the ministry that God has given me, I've had conversations with those in our church family of a range. Just this week, a range of conversations and interactions from, from the joyful things of following Jesus and victories over sin and and transformation and forgiveness offered. And, and in the same period of time, I've had difficult conversations about sin and about suffering and about, and about brokenness that we face in the world. And, uh, and the responsibility that God has given me can be heavy. And I feel the, the significance of the role that he's given me. But God gives me what I need. And I love doing what God has given me to do. So thanks for allowing me to. I appreciate it. All right, all right, Bruce, it's all you. <laughs> I'm done crying. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. You got a great man here in Derek. Um, let me let me talk to you about a little bit about why we ordain and. Those of you who know me know that um, I don't wear this role formally. Like I 
just like talking about stuff here that's like at the at the explain explanation level is like there's really clear reasons why we do what we're doing and and what we're doing this morning is a beautiful ceremony because we have the opportunity to hear from Gary and holy cow man you uh you were shaped somewhat through your 39 years of ministry weren't you I mean I just I listened to you and there's so much understanding in your spirit about the role and what a gift and what a gift for us to be able to affirm Derek's gifts and calling. Because sometimes we don't have the luxury of knowing where people have come from and who they really are. And we have to take our best guess. And, and man, what a glorious thing to realize that this guy that we're affirming this morning, that we're laying our hands on, is a guy who's the real deal. That not only in his teaching, but in his life, and his behavior, and his patterns... Uh, he has been observed. There have been eyes on him, right? And, and the report is a really encouraging thing. So that's part of why we ordain is like Derek has gifts and a calling and this ordination process is a celebration of Derek's responsiveness to the gifts and the calling that God has placed on his life. Uh, not only his gifts, but the ways that he uses his gifts. Uh, number two, the ordination represents a statement of interdependence. Uh, look, the evangelical free church is a, is a group of churches made up of autonomous local churches. That means that in their inception, churches find freedom based upon the people who are helping to form that church and the community in which it exists to have a broad range of definitions about what that church is. You visit free churches around the Northwest or around the country, and they're not all like this. You walk in, and it feels really different, and that's a good thing. That autonomy, it helps a church be uh, able to be nimble and responsive to the needs of the community. But the hard thing is that how do we sustain interdependence in that? That we are better together, that we find synergy together, that when we, when we are together as a national team or an international team we have confidence that we're about the same things together even though we do it in different ways and this ordination is a huge deal to say we believe in the interdependence between the local church in this case faith evangelical free church in dallas oregon and the district in this case the pacific northwest district of the free church and the broader efca it's a means of sustaining alignment with our beliefs and with our practice. And any of you can go to the doctrinal statement of, of, uh, of faith and see what our tenets of belief are. And that, that part is, is pretty clear and, and pretty easy to manage, but there's a piece of being a part of the evangelical free church that is vitally important for us to understand even in this process of ordaining a man like Derek, and that is the ethos of the free church. We, are, we have a unique heritage. And one of the things I most deeply appreciate about hanging out with the free church is this, that we are really clear as we look at Jesus and what his life is about, and what his worldview is about, and why he says what he does, and, and what he says, and why he does what he does, and what he bases his, his sense of clarity on 
It's like we together have come to great clarity about some things that are absolutely non-negotiable in terms of belief in order to uphold the integrity of the gospel that Jesus proclaims. We're clear on the things that matter, but this is one of the fun things about the free church and messy is that we agree to disagree on a whole lot of matters that faithful people have interpreted differently down through the ages. And there are a lot of them. And that's all right. We want to be charitable by intentionality with each other. We want to make the tent as inclusive as we can in terms of incorporating people into this movement of the gospel. And it's one of the greatest heritages of the free church, in my opinion, is that this is who we are. This is the ethos. And so as we ordain, we are looking at people who are in step with us theologically, but also this this little more subjective ethos piece. Like, we, uh, labels are funky sometimes. Don't like to use them, but like we are not a fundamentalist movement. We're not. And so as we're ordaining, we want to do that with, with this in mind, our clarity not only on our doctrine side, but also on the ethos of who we are as a free church. And the third thing I want to say about this ordination uh, is that there is then an inborn accountability that we have. Whenever a church is in transition and is looking for a new pastor, I appeal to the search committee and to the elder board with all seriousness, just appealing to them to say, please, 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 write it down, make it a part of your hiring package that this individual becomes ordained in the free church if he is not already. And the reason that I do that is because we are an autonomous movement. And sometimes uh, the only traction that we have to help keep alignment and help keep health and to, and to help check when a guy goes outside the borders of the sandbox is to come back to this ordination. The ordination that, that Derek receives is not his. It belongs to the Evangelical Free Church of America. And we grant him that ordination in trust. Right. And, and in my role, I'm sad to say there have been some occasions where I've had to come because this correction just will not happen. Repentance will not happen, whether because a leader's leading in really, for lack of a better word, unJesusy ways. Right? or deviating from the clarity of the Word of God, and we, and we appeal to leaders first and foremost, eyeball to eyeball, and then to their teams and the congregation, and when there's just not responsiveness, then, then we go back and we say, that ordination that we granted you is, is no longer yours until some correction happens. It's a heavy card to play, and mercifully, I've not had to play that but a, a handful of times. But it's a protection not only for Derek, but for the congregation, and for the district, for the integrity of the denomination at large. Because as Gary said, we are in a very pluralistic time where so much gets accepted as normal in terms of, of teaching and truth um, that when you scratch beneath the surface, it may not be 
what is being presented. And so it's a way for all of us to, to keep in check. It's not like we don't run around with a big bat and I don't show up and say, hey, you better get this thing in order around here. It's not that spirit at all. But it is a means. This ordination is a means in a setting that is very autonomous for us to say, look, we are better together. And there's something noble about choosing interdependence when we have the option of independence. And finally, the ordination is like, man, if you, if you know Derek at all, I mean, this is just a no-brainer. It's, it's just a, another picture of a lifelong learner. The process is stretching and it's challenging and, and his response to it just indicates that he's not seeing himself as done, completed, hey, I know everything I need to know. It's just another point in the process, and when a guy takes this thing seriously, it's, it is a big sign to those who are watching to say, you know what, you're a guy who appreciates the process of development, aren't you? Right? So it's, it's that. By the way, let me throw a, just a, a two-bit thing. We have, in the Northwest, we use a, a, a ministry called Gateway that is about a, a year-long commitment, about about a dozen meetings with a cohort, usually over video, where you get a chance to look at all of the statements of the free church doctrinal statement and, and wrestle with it, both in terms of understanding and articulating it in your words. We have a lot of lay people that go through this. And it turns out to be a really enriching experience. They're not into professional ministry. They're not in a position necessarily in a, in a local church. But the dividend of strengthening some of their analytical thinking and their understanding and learning how to form deeper convictional clarity around belief is a really beneficial thing. And so I would throw that at you as, as just an aside to say, if ever you're interested, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to pursue. As I said at the outset, um, the ordination is recognition of Derek's gifts and calling. Uh, but Derek didn't choose his gifts, did he? There was never a time where, where Derek was like a seven-year-old thumbing through a list of options saying, well, I'll take this, but not that, this, not that. I like this. Derek chose to be responsive to the gifts that God placed in him. And this is a, I don't know how to say this exactly without sounding clumsy. One of the things that I think we're, we're deeply in need of in our times is a flattening out of the org chart. It's like we have grown so accustomed to coming and being an audience, coming being spectators, coming with an expectation that we will be taught and shown and inspired and encouraged in worship and then we go home as though that were the point of it all, but it's not the point of it all, is it? You know, the same God that gave Derek gifts has given you gifts. Absolutely and for sure. I say this with complete confidence. Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about the grace and he likens the grace of gifts to the human body in which, you know, we've got all these different parts of us, but they all function in symphony, which produces a relatively healthy human being when they're working together. And he says the same thing is true in this thing called the church. And in Paul's day, the churches were probably 
You, I mean, you probably couldn't fit the whole church in this first three rows in this section. It was a very personal, very small, eyeball-to-eyeball kind of context, and, and they weren't wrestling with a big scene like this. And one of the things that we are seeing in wrestling with this big picture is it's hard to get people seriously to discover the gifts that our Father has given by His grace, to to grow in their self-awareness of those gifts, and then to activate the gifts. But that is the whole deal, isn't it? When I was here a few months ago, I was reminding us that, that all that we are about as a church is fulfilled in the lives of human beings who trust Father with all their heart and soul and mind and strength and love people well. And in fact, Jesus' last words to us were like, as you go, just as you move through life, in part, this spirituality that you've learned in me to others. That's the whole point of it. It's not to come and listen. It's, there's, no, there's no crowns given out for good attendance, although I'm in favor of attendance. I'm not arguing against that. But if our attendance isn't producing this kind of flattening out of the thing so that the community of Dallas is blessed, not through recorded sermons, but through experiences of encounter with people who know who they are, that they're not orphans any longer. They're dearly loved children, a father who has given them gifts very specifically to the circumstances that they are in for the purpose that people in communities, in places of work, in extended family, in places of recreation, that they might be blessed through the investment of these people who say, I know who I am, and I know the gifts that I've been given. Paul talks about prophesying. Well, that was a great story about that guy named Steve who came up to you after the service. Right? We always feel that jumpiness, right, when that guy comes up and says, I have a word from you, right? Paul says, when you're prophesying, used in a proportion of faith, serving, let him serve, teaching, let him teach. All of these gifts, encouragement and mercy and generosity, and we instinctively, without thought, say, oh, those are things that God has used to, to help me bless faith evangelical free church inside these four walls. Yes and no. Yeah, keep the switch on. The gifts that you have, the identity, keep it on all the time, wherever you are, including inside faith, but as importantly, if not much more importantly, in the community around. You say, I don't have time to build all this. And I'm going like, I get that. Don't. Don't. The the word is, as you go, in the places you presently occupy, just occupy with a sense of clarity that I am a child of God. I am here by God's gifting and pleasure. And there are people around me who need to experience this gospel of which Derek speaks. And they will experience it through me. And so people are encouraged, they find help, they become better because of you. And my word to you finally as a congregation, if you want to bless this man in the fullness of the gifting that God has given him, do it this way. Become that person who takes seriously that your voice matters, that your time matters, that that your heart matters in the lives of people that you encounter. That's how you will multiply what Derek is doing through his gifts and calling here. It's not enough to just come and to be educated and to be inspired. The point of it has not been fulfilled at that point. The point is fulfilled when you become like Jesus 
in your community, in your culture, in the places where you hang out. I'd like to invite Derek and Amy up for a word of prayer this morning. I'd like to invite Gary to come on back up, and I'd like to invite Ed Sutter to come on up, and I'd like to invite the the Faith EFC elders to come up as well. Can we all just kind of crowd this thing? And then I want to invite the congregation here to stand with us and stretch. Do this. Just stretch. Come on, everybody stretch. And, and hold that stretch. Hold that stretch because it would be kind of awkward for all of us to climb up here and, and sprawl all over Derek and Amy, right? So when your arms are out like this, if they get tired, look at the person next to you and say, I need some help. Just hold your arms out here because as you're holding your arms out, you are laying hands on this man that God has gifted and called to serve as your spiritual leader here at Faith Evangelical Free Church. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to have Gary pray and a few of the elders pray here as well and then we'll move on to whatever else is in store. Father, I thank you for uh, your way that as... um, As the prophet Ezekiel said, take this word and eat it. Let it become yours. Let it define you. And we see in Derek a man who has done that, who who is the real deal, and he doesn't try to export what doesn't work in his own circumstance and experience. So I pray blessing on this man. I pray pray favor on him with the congregation and those who are not yet a part of this congregation. I pray blessing on Amy and Derek in their marriage. Uh, Reveal yourself to them in ways that help them sustain their faithfulness to you and to one another. Father, may your joy be their strength. May they exude what Jesus Christ has done in their lives and is doing and will do. And may they share it with many others, that your name would be raised high. Lord, we just thank you so much for um, Derek listening to your call in his life and for obeying and for using the gifts that you gave him uniquely to serve you. Lord, you know, as Paul said, we're excited to watch Derek and to, as he calls us to imitate him. Lord, which is a huge call, which is a huge burden, but may we imitate, uh, you know, your call in his life as as we as he leads us, as he leads uh, people down the road and and getting to know you and knowing the gospel. We just thank you so much for that, Lord. Lord, I want to pray too for uh, Derek's family. Uh, we focused on Derek this morning. Um, but they're coming along on this ride too. Um, so I pray for Amy, and I pray for each one of the kids. Um, I've I've never been a spouse or a, a child of a of a preacher, so when I try and put myself in their shoes um, and think about the things that they will experience during this time in this ministry, Lord, uh, one of the things I ask for them is that you would uh, bless them with patience. Mm-hmm. 
we know that Derek is responding to your call and he's going to be committed and he's going to be pulled in a lot of different directions. And so I pray that you would give them patience. Pray that you would help them to support him in whatever ways that they can. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to know when to speak up and what to say in a loving way to let him know when they need when they mm -hmm. need more of him. Mm -hmm. um, God, just as we've all been gifted, as Bruce was saying earlier, um, help them all to discover their gifts that you've given them and how to use them in cooperation with this ministry here at Faith Free. And Lord, we just look forward to um, seeing how you will bless and equip them um, during this time of ministry here at Faith. We thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.